Today is Thursday, July 21st, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. AOC and other Democrats were arrested in front of the Supreme Court. There's a fact check out on that. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help. Subscribe to this podcast. Give us a rating. Share it with a friend. Don't keep it to yourself. Share the good news that you found here with this podcast. So uh, you go ahead and do all those things. And joining me, as always, to help us get through the news of the cray, Trey Goins Phillips from CBN's Faith Wire. It's Friday, Junior Trey. What's going on? I know. I'm still waiting on my T-shirt, by the way. We need <laughs> Friday Junior T-shirts yes. or something. The I people mean, demand gotta- it. We got to brand this thing. It's, yes. It's it's taking off. Well, it's taking off, at least for me. But it, <laughs> Well, and we're almost to the end of the week. That's what the best right? thing about it is. And Billy has actually decided to go on vacation today, so good for him. Uh, but on the main thing coming up today, the great fall of China. Is the communist nation once thought to be the next top global superpower? Is it actually falling apart? We'll have that conversation. But first... Today, we go through some of the top headlines. Archaeologists from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem say they've made several discoveries, including an ornate first century villa with its own ritual bath after a project began to increase um, access for disabled people to Jerusalem's Western Wall. So this is really cool, and you can check it out over on CBNNews.com. They got some pictures of it as well, but... There's all, they're always uncovering amazing things over there, and um, Israel is always trying to solidify their connection uh, to ancient Israel, and so they're, that's why they're excavating all this stuff, and it, it really is remarkable uh, to see the stuff they uncover, and this is no exception. You can check it out over on CBN. A 76-year-old grandmother in the UK has successfully challenged her arrest. That happened when she was walking and praying silently near an abortion clinic. The charges now have been dismissed, but officials are trying to institute a, quote, prayer ban zone in the area. So we'll keep you posted on that. Supreme Court protesters, are they getting out of hand? It looks like it. A Harvard law professor said that Supreme Court justices who overturned Roe should, quote, never know peace again, end quote. And there's a pro-choice group targeting churches that has ties to revolutionary communist party and even nancy pelosi isn't safe her house was targeted by pro-choice protesters who are demanding that she take action against those supreme court justices that overturned roe and the january 6th committee today will walk through former president trump's actions or inactions during a 187 minute period uh, when the mob stormed into the capitol building they're hoping to show that he didn't intervene But whatever they do show, we know most Americans are actually not watching these trials. 62% of Americans say they didn't watch the panel's second and third hearings. So if you're interested, you can watch. But it seems like the people have made up their minds one way or the other. That's what the polls are showing. And so those who are really tuned into it are ones who already feel that President Trump is culpable in some sort of way. But those hearings will be going on today. But there is a story I want to take a closer look look at today and this is the one that's been going viral this week and it's AOC and Ilhan Omar posing behind with their hands behind their backs out at a protest in front of the Supreme Court and then raising their fist in triumph as they were being escorted away from the premises so Snopes did a fact check on this tray and you and I have uh, 
We have talked uh, several times about Snopes, and I'm always keen on watching how these fact checkers cover these things because their sleight of hand is very good on these stories. Snopes on this one, they zero in on the claim that these arrests were, quote, faked or staged. Now, I'm sure there are some people, and I'm sure they found an example or two, but that's not what most people seem to be claiming. Most people aren't complaining about that, that I've seen. Most of the complaints that I've seen are that it appears that they were just doing this as a performative gesture. Because why else would you walk with your hands behind your back unless you wanted to show that you were somehow being arrested? There, there's no reason to do it. And even Snopes notes here that the other people who were arrested, everyone except Ilhan Omar and AOC, did not have their hands behind their backs. And she even raises her fist in the air at one point, which is just kind of silly because if you're trying to look like you're being handcuffed and taken away, you can't raise your fist up when you're handcuffed. So it's interesting that Snopes kind of took that route. I'd like to get your take on all this because there's a, there's a whole lot going on here aside from the hands behind the back thing, which people have seemed to have fixated on. But just the fact that they're out there and they're, this is an issue that Democrats are not going to let go and they are going to campaign on this thing heading into November. I don't want to get myself in too much trouble, but I do, I, I do want to say, like, if you look at the pictures of AOC, I'm telling you, this looks like it was the happiest day of her life. I mean, she's just giddy <laughs> at the opportunity to take her picture, whether it was, you know, whether she wanted, uh, was, was thinking, I want to look like I'm getting arrested or, or being handcuffed or not. I mean, we can't know, the, you know, what she was thinking in her head at that exact moment, but the smile on her face just... I don't she's know. Very it happy. seems like she, she seems... yeah, she seems very happy to have been uh, given the opportunity to at least take pictures being escorted by a police officer. Uh, so with that out of the way, look, I think you're exactly right about it. Democrats uh, and the the pro-abortion crowd not being willing to let this go. Uh, and it just is as a Christian, it's sad to look on at the world and see how our priorities are. It, it's hard to even say that our priorities are mismatched because it's like, how is this even a priority at all? Yeah. Right? Like how is protecting the opportunity to take the life of an unborn child, even something worth fighting for? Uh, yet this is something that the, the left is becoming more unabashed about and, and more honest and, and open about. And look, I guess maybe uh, the silver lining here is that finally people are being incredibly honest about the conversation saying, look, this is what abortion is and we're okay with it. We think it should be protected. That's awful, but at least we're being honest and we can have this debate in front of the whole country now and say, look, this is something that you really want to protect. Uh, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's a sad place to be in, uh, but at least we're at a place where we can have the conversation honestly. Yeah. And that's what strikes me as well. When I watch these scenes play out, I, People love to debate and they have a great time debating what AOC was thinking, what she was doing, why was she doing this? And she's just very public figure who's very popular. And so she's a she's a firebrand and it just causes a lot of controversy and debate. So I get all that. But I'm with you. I, what strikes me as a Christian is just really having my mind blown that there's a whole group in the in the country, a lot of them, half the country-ish who really do feel like this, not even just that they, they think it should be permitted, but this is almost like a sacred right to them, it feels like, to be able right, to... Right, like it's a moral worth yeah, protecting. It really does feel like that. And and that's just a leap that I have a hard time making in my mind. I try to give the benefit of the doubt as often as I can to people 
on the other side uh, from of my beliefs. And uh, it's just, that's what I can't, that's a tough one. It's, it's just difficult for me to get to, to, to see how can someone be there to that level on this issue uh, when you consider what's actually happening. So, yeah, no, I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, and then another issue that's kind of related in the Supreme Court to this that um, Democrats are worried about. The House has passed a bill called the Respect for Marriage Act. And Trey, I, this is all happening because Democrats are now fearful of gay marriage going the way of Roe, right? Yeah, so the House of Representatives, which is right now democratically controlled, just approved the, like you said, Respect for Marriage Act, which if it were to advance past the evenly divided Senate, which is very unlikely, uh, it would enshrine same-sex marriage and interracial marriage into federal law. Uh, So the purpose of the bill is to repeal the Defense of Marriage Act, uh, which was passed in 1996 and signed, by the way, by then-President Bill Clinton. Uh, It defined marriage for federal purposes as just a union between one man and one woman. That law is technically still there, even though in 2015 the Supreme Court, uh, of course, ruled that same-sex marriage should be legal across the land. Uh, So Democrats are are now uh, deploying what conservatives are criticizing uh, as just political theater ahead of election season uh, in order to scare voters or to cast a bad light on Republicans. Uh, So the new House bill comes after, like you said, Dan, the Supreme Court uh, issued its ruling on Dobbs, which reversed Roe, uh, and specifically because of Justice Clarence Thomas's concurrent opinion on the Dobbs case, uh, which he said in in that opinion that the the reversal of Roe really creates an opportunity for the high court to revisit other cases, including the Obergefell ruling in 2015, which legalized same-sex marriage. Uh, so the new federal or the new law, the new bill, if it were to be approved, Uh, would give federal recognition to same-sex and interracial marriage, uh, meaning no other law, no state law, no other provision put in place would usurp that that right. Uh, So it would provide those legal protections and prohibit any state from denying out-of-state marriage licenses or benefits on the basis of sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin. So a handful of left-leaning Republicans voted for the new bill, um, but many have just condemned it as a political stunt. Representative Jim Jordan, for example, called it a charade. Uh, Representative Mike Johnson said it's, quote, a shameful effort intended to divide the country even further. And critics of the bill have pointed out the fact that Justice Thomas, who is black, uh, is married to a white woman. So there's there's really no reason that he or any other member of the Supreme Court would have any desire to put legal protections uh, or to pull legal protections, I should say, uh, for interracial marriage and interracial couples uh, in, in any ruling. That just is not really Plausible. I can see the argument maybe for same-sex marriage, uh, but the interracial marriage one uh, doesn't really seem to have any purpose whatsoever outside of just uh, mm. political theater. So that's that's where the debate is right now. And as it stands, like I said, it's very unlikely that the bill is going to advance past the, the 50-50 divided Senate and even get to President Biden's desk. Mm, interesting. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate going around. Um, I've seen in Christian and conservative circles now about this idea of gay marriage. And if people are drawing this comparison, and I wonder if you've seen this as well, Trey, to the transgender debate. And when you kind of look at the framework and foundation and what you're arguing you know, against 
those who are arguing, a lot of people on the conservative side arguing against the, this transgender movement in general and the way they're approaching that issue and kind of foisting it on America. But it's an interesting parallel because what people are arguing is that, well, marriage is defined in society for a long time as one man, one woman. And so therefore, gay marriage cannot be that. Whatever it is, it can be something. If you want to vote to put it into you know, protective status and in government, great, but it is actually not marriage. You've, you've sort of changed the definition. And that was the debate back at the beginning. So it's interesting as the transgender debate comes about that that I'm seeing that sort of conversation happen online more and more. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where this gay marriage debate goes, if anywhere, uh, with Democrats, you know, pushing forward bills like this. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's that's the same argument we heard in 2015, right, with, with gay marriage is it can be a relationship or a union, but it's not necessarily a marriage, right? Because marriage is a biblical concept is created by God to be a covenant between one man and one woman. Uh, so if you want to give a protected status, like you were saying, Dan, that's, that's fine. Uh, but they're, they're not the same thing. Uh, so really, I think the better argument would be just pull the government out of, out of this altogether. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're going to go with one of the two, right? If you're going to redefine marriage, you can't really redefine a word defined by God in scripture. Um, but but you can just pull out altogether from from the issue as as the government. So it's interesting to see what happens. Like you said, I don't know if this bill is going to go anywhere or how this uh, argument with the transgender issue is going to advance. But it'll be an interesting one, certainly as Christians, to pay attention to. Yep, and we'll be watching it over on CBN.com and uh, FaithWire.com as well. Trey, thanks for that story. And that leads us to our main thing today, and we're going to be taking a look at China. And the communist nation once thought to be really the next top global superpower. Are they actually coming apart at the seams? I caught up with CBN's Dale Hurd for today's main thing. All right, so Dale, we've heard um, in the past from a lot of media outlets that China, they're the country of the future. They're going to be the global superpower. But we're starting to see a few cracks in the armor. Where do you see uh, some of these cracks happening? Well, it's been interesting as I have bounced the, the, you know, the gist of this story off some other China experts. Some find it hard to accept. They can't accept the fact that China isn't going to dominate the world uh, because it had so many things going for it. But the hard data suggests that China has run into some major headwinds, the two biggest, of course, being their population and their economy. I'd resisted using the word free fall, but that's been used in articles about what China is facing right now in terms of both their population and their economy. Their economy is growing so slowly now that we're outgrowing them this year, which uh, hasn't happened since the 1970s. So they're in very bad shape. One of the issues that is causing that is they've had these, uh, really from the communist government, this push on limiting the population. They've put out these numbers on how big their population is, and then they put on all these limiting things with the population. But now that's sort of turning around on them and causing a problem in the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, they're act- they've actually closed abortion clinics. That's how desperate they're mm-hmm. getting about their drop in population, which Yi Fuxian, which uh, a researcher I cite at the University of Wisconsin, has been pouring through their 
population data, and he says it's been falling, uh, their population, since at least 2018. The official line is it, it might start falling next year. Well, he said it's been falling for a long time. They're already smaller than India by as much as 100 million people, and their fertility rate could be as low as one. Now, we understand that the replacement rate for a population is around 2.2 children. Mm -hmm. So they're way below that. They're lower than we are. I mean, most Western countries are below the replacement rate, but recover that through immigration. But China doesn't allow immigration like we like Joe Biden right. does. So yeah, so their their population is cratering, their economy is sputtering. The theme of the story is this this will not be the Chinese century as many have predicted. And also too there's the problem of trust. Now China has wanted to have it both ways. They sort of made this push years ago that they were sort of accepting capitalism but we of course know they're not they're still a communist government right. that plays out in things like how we saw their response to covid they lied there and right. they're rounding up muslims putting them in re-education camps so there's all these human rights abuses going on are people starting to and will there be a shift of countries that are maybe getting a little more leery about doing business with china well we know that just recently toward the end of may the pacific island summit uh, that was held with China and these tiny Pacific Island nations around it. And China went to the summit with this pact uh, that they were proposing, a defense pact that all these little nations should have wanted to sign. And it was rejected, essentially because they didn't want, they felt like it was a trap. And and the, there's a growing feeling around the world that, yeah, that China, it you know, they talk a good game, but nations are now leery that everything it does is just a way to get leverage over them. That We see this with the Belt and Road Initiative, which was supposed to look like a way that they would help third world or developing nations, you know, develop their infrastructure. But what ha it's a debt trap. Mm. And the nations are starting to see this. And we thought that capitalism would change China. It only changed it in certain economic ways. But the, you're right, they are still communist. And some people might think, well, that sounds kind of reactionary and... You know, times have changed. Well, they really haven't in terms of the Chinese Communist Party. And communism, going back to the beginning, had its own reality. You could lie because the only truth is what the party says it is. Hmm. So if it's the economy or the population, we'll tell you what the truth is, whether it's true or not. That's another thing is that the average person in China really doesn't benefit. Their income levels are very low, right? It's shocking. All right, because all we see and, and, you know, the U.S. media kind of plays along either because they're lazy or maybe there's a worse reason. But all, all we see are gleaming Chinese cities. So what I wanted to show in my story is how literally the other half lives in China. At least half of the country, um, the workers make um, about one hundred and fifty dollars a month. So uh, we got the cameras into the slums and we showed the slums in China. I mean, they're probably not called slums in China, but that's what they look like in mm. this country. And, and they have adjusted, they've kind of, they've cooked the books, so to speak, economically to make it look like China is not as poor as it is. And we've actually accepted that. You know, the Chinese government saying, we eradicated poverty last year. Okay, well, fine, <laughs> but $150 a month is not a lot. No. And I mean, you just see things like, I, there's still a couple of reports that just stick in my mind that it's just it's hard to even fathom that this exists in a supposedly modern country. But one, the BBC report showing those Muslims getting rounded up and and they actually the Chinese government thought this would help them 
they let the BBC guy do an interview there in this quote unquote re-education camp. And the guy's like, so yeah. they can't leave, but this is, they do art here and stuff. It's not prison. He's like, but they can't leave. Yeah, no, they can't leave. That's prison. And they're like, no, no. But they thought that looked good for them. What is going on here? It is a different universe. Right. And it's, it's caught up with them because I, my beat has been Europe. I, I was actually sh- shocked to see last year the European Union slapping sanctions on China mm. because they're so kind of feckless. They've never really stood up to a nation like they stood up to China last year. And I've got to say I'm proud of them. And yeah. so now China slapped them back with sanctions. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how bad it's going for China. Now we're looking at about a quarter of European firms saying they want to get out of China. I mean, again, I don't want to use sensational terms, but implosion sort of comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And and can I say, uh, Dan, that as, as a believer, as a Christian, I trace this back to the their 70th anniversary in late 2019 when Xi Jinping basically shook his fist at heaven mm-hmm. and said, nothing can stop the Chinese nation. And I got a tingle when I read that because I thought that's going to get God's attention. Yeah. And I feel like ever since then, stuff's been going wrong. Yeah. And I mean, do you think about the Old Testament there? You know, all the kings that rose up and then didn't follow God and what happened there? It's not going to end well the moment God decides it's over for right. you. <laughs> you can't, you cannot stand. And God has shown that time and time again. So, Dale, where, what can we expect to see? Are there any things we, we should be looking out for here in the next, I don't know, a couple of years as we're watching the news with China, what we can expect to see? You know, I'd like to see uh, more honesty out of Beijing. It will be interesting when when they can't cover up their population problems anymore, how they're going to spin it. And, and also, I guess the next domino to fall in an economic crisis, because they have so much unsold real estate mm-hmm. and the government's just kind of been and there's the government's in deep debt because it's been pouring money into some of these sectors to prop them up. And so I think I would say the next economic domino to fall. We'll be watching to see what that is. All right, CBN's Dale Hurd. You can check out his full report over on CBNnews.com. Dale, thanks for being here. Thank you, Dan. All right, that leaves us with our one last thing here, Trey. And this story over on Faithwire is fantastic. One of those examples where a doctor tells people they don't have much time, but then God does something completely different. Yeah, so there's this man named Israel Lemus. He was given by his doctor's oncologist two months to live after being diagnosed with stage four brain cancer, glioblastoma, the same cancer that actually killed Senator John McCain. Now, six years later, he's Mm. still alive, and doctors are describing him as a walking miracle and a medical mystery. Since his diagnosis, he's gotten engaged, married, he's purchased his first house, and he's completely changed careers. He said, I don't even feel sick, uh, but they keep telling me I'm sick, and doctors just do not understand how he's so healthy six years in. Yeah, and and he says it's 100% God, so that's fantastic. Um, I love to see it. You love to see God proving doctors are not in control or know everything, um, even when something looks very apparent. So great story there. You can check out the rest of it on faithwire.com. So, all right, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Quick Start Podcast. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Friday, Junior. See you then.